Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit. Special edition with Dr. Eric Nobby. Hello, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. How are you living? Good, good. So for those of you that need to catch up a little bit, Dr. Eric Nobby was one of our first podcast guests, episode four, with his now fiance, Jordan Cooper. Go back and listen. But we wanted to do a little special edition episode, catch up with him. He's been up to some really cool stuff that I think everyone would really benefit from hearing. So we're going to kind of walk through how he's been chugging along since we last talked. I have also here another little special guest, Ryan Grody. So Ryan and I went to go check out Eric's new form and function lab, which I'm going to let you like just spill all the deets of that in a second. Um, but we're going to share our experience and, and how it went down. So Eric, talk to us about like what's what's going on with you. What have you been up to? Yeah, so um, I've had this dream even going back to chiropractic school of opening an office and doing something that was just different and that offered people the best value I could possibly offer. Mm -hmm. And what this turned into over my short four-year career as a chiropractor was just learning what techniques are really evidence-based, what things really help people in the clinic. And um, what I found was that the more things that I did with my hands, um, the more I created a situation where they relied on me for dependency. Mm -hmm. The more people got short-term fixes and then had to keep coming back, keep coming back. Yeah, which is kind of like the stigma of chiropractics, right? Yeah, it like is. Like that they want you to keep coming back. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's not bad. I mean, no. people get a lot of help and a lot of relief sure. from that style of practice. Yeah. But for me, I wanted something more, especially coming from a fitness background mm -hmm. and a sports background. So... um, I just started learning more active techniques and thinking, what can I do to coach people into replicating what I'm doing in the room with them mm -hmm. when they're at home? Yeah. Because ultimately, to be perfectly frank, nothing a chiropractor ever did to me ever fixed any of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> it was things that I acquired through research and through watching other people move and learning. And then I figured out, okay, this is how I can relieve tension in this area that's bothering me. Or, right. This is why my knee hurts when I do this. And yeah. So... I sort of started to take more of like a coaching role as a chiropractor than being the quote unquote magic hands practitioner. That's what yeah. we call it in our industry, magic <laughs> hands. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, and I decided I was going to develop this business and I developed a business model based on completely centering it around a patient. Um, I don't even call them patients. I like to call them clients because yeah. everything we do in our environment in this business is about creating something to empower people and to make them not feel broken, mm -hmm. to feel like they can handle their problems and they can do it at home. So right. um, from the minute they walk in the door, like this is something you have, but it's not something you have to live with. Yeah. You know, you can work through this and then um, making it so they have enough time with the doctor and doing the right things yeah. to make the problem go away that they can manage it themselves. Yeah. Well, and it's like what I've learned from you is that a lot of the tension that people are dealing with, the pain that people are dealing with is sometimes a result of you know, movement patterns that we've implemented over our entire life. And so it's kind of, how can we think that maybe going in for one time or getting, you know, one back crack that it's going to solve that issue or, you know, make us better instantly. Like it's truly a journey just like fitness. 
yeah, where you want to go is your journey and where you've been is your story. So a lot of looking at how you move is a yeah. history of who you were from your developmental years as a little kid mm -hmm. all the way through all the injuries you've ever had, right. all the chairs you've ever sat in. Oh, God, a lot of chairs. <laughs> all that great stuff. So yeah. we've got to unpack it all. For sure. So you set up shop at Queen City Kettlebell. Yeah, which, oh, I like, can talk about all that. They're awesome. Love them. Can never get enough of them. I think when I was over there to see you, I was like, every time I walk out of this place, I feel amazing. Like there's some serious <laughs> psychological conditioning going on. Like, I don't know, it's something in the air. I haven't drank the water, so I don't think that's it. But they're just like, great. They just make, I don't know what it is. Like they're just, I guess the focus on mobility and like getting you moving and loosening you up, even amongst like a really tough workout with a barbell or a kettlebell, like just walk out of there and you're like, oh yes, you know, just like feel free. Yeah, I think they have four trainers there, and um, I think they do a really good job with programming. Yeah. Um, you know, to be fair, it doesn't matter who you are in fitness. The same exercise database is available to all of us, essentially. Sure. And we a all squat is a squat is a squat, yeah. no matter where. Yeah. Got but it. how you put it together becomes less about, like, notes and music and more about the full song. Mm -hmm. So, in my opinion, in seeing a lot of people in the fitness industry, I think what they do well there is they're good at making music. They're good at putting things mm. together in a way that sequences appropriately yeah. and produces a good result together. Yeah. That's beautifully said, Eric. I just don't, don't know how you That's do that. That's all I got for today. <laughs> yeah. You might as well <laughs> We're stop done. right now. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Go see him at form, the form and function lab. <laughs> okay. So recently Ryan and I went to check you out and got like full service treatment here. So, I thought it would be beneficial if we could like walk through each, like Ryan and I are separate, what do you call it? Movement profiles? Was that yeah. what they called? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Because we're both, you know, coming from different backgrounds, right? Like Ryan is an athlete and trains differently than me. You know, I, you know, I always do appreciate though in fitness classes when they call us athletes <laughs> and they're like, yes, athletes go. And you're Fit like, leads. am I, am I an athlete? I don't know, but I'll take it. So, you know, basically different stuff, different stuff going on with our bodies. And then in turn, obviously different approach from you. Yeah. So who, who do, do you want to start? I'll start with me. I'll go first. All right. So I'll kind of give it from my perspective and then you can chime in and this is awesome and, and i've never had about... a patient just speak frankly about what yeah. we did yeah okay cool <laughs> this is gonna be good i'm cool. excited so we come in and i guess it's important to note that i had just got done with a really tough workout at carter fit systems and i'm talking like it was maybe one of the most difficult classes that i've been there like i was dead mm -hmm. dying so much so like my legs were like shaking when I got out of the car. I was like, oh my God, Ryan, I hope Eric doesn't <laughs> do like anything with our legs because I'm dead. Whoops. So the first thing that, so just to like talk about the room in itself, he has a huge, massive table. He can like, you can move the table up and down, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. So the first thing he did was have me just like stand and he evaluated my standing posture. With for, your shoes off. With my shoes off, right? Yep. Um, uh, I don't, okay, I'm trying to think. So then from there, I think we probably, oh, I, you asked like what maybe like is something bothering me or like do I have an ailment, whatever. And I was like, as always, my tight hips, right? Yeah. Like can never get away. I do yoga 
every single day and I stretch all the time and, you know, they're never really loosening up for me or giving me the mobility that I'm looking for. You made a comment that like, it's not always about stretching. Sometimes it's about strengthening different muscles. So I know that we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I think that probably the next thing you did was have me get into a lizard lunge because I think that I had said that sometimes my right hip is tight so much to the point where it kind of feels like it is in pain, like my hip flexor there. Yeah, just to pause you for a second. Yeah. You don't know what a lizard lunge is. It's oh, basically separating your hips into the two extremes, forward and backwards. You have one hip that's going into flexion as if your knee is coming towards your chest and the other hip is extending back. So you're really pulling that leg behind you. Yeah, great point. Um, it's a pretty intense pose, I would say. Uh, so he first had me, you know, get into the lizard lunge initially, see how that felt, see what that looks like. I think we then moved on to look at my plank. Yeah. Yeah. So he had me do a plank on the table, um, made some like notes, comments there. It was like, okay, good. Maybe we, we proceeded to move through various different exercises where I think he was trying to find a weakness. Is weakness the right word? Or like a, what would, how, what would you say? So everybody's kind of like a puzzle. So yeah. what I did when I first had you standing there with your shoes off, I just wanted to see what energy you were using to stand upright. So everyone has their own strategy. We're not all exactly the same, yeah. but we kind of have ideas about what we think an ideal standing posture is. So which muscles should be engaged, which ones should be relatively loose. Yeah. So it just gives us some good little hints as starting points where to go. Yeah. So you're like, I have tight hip flexors and watching you stand. I yeah. had a few little things that I wanted to look at. So where we started from there was we started front to back motion. So mm -hmm. I wanted to see how well you could stabilize your body using your core in a forward backward type of uh, challenge. Yeah. And that would be our plank. Oh, and yeah. then we did second after that, we did the opposite. I had you bridge. Oh, so yeah. I wanted to see if you could stabilize using your glutes and hamstrings, engaging them to create stiffness. Same positioning, right? right? Just flipped over. Yeah. So you dominated those. Yeah. Yeah. You did a really good job. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> hear that? I did yeah. a really good job. <laughs> then what do we do after that? I think we immediately went into that little side cheerleader pose. Yeah, I don't we know struck what it's gold. called. We struck, struck gold. So yeah. um, imagine you're sitting and your knees are bent, your feet are out in front. And then you let your left knee drop to the side. So the outside of the left knee is on the ground. And then as you do that, the right knee drops in. So the inside of the right knee is on the ground. And it's like you're sitting obliquely. So we call it an oblique sit. Yeah. I, for those ladies out there, if you were ever a cheerleader in like your grade school days, it was like the classic like cheerleader yeah, sitting pose. Yeah. And you sat That's a there good way to describe and it. And you put it in your hands <laughs> on your hips. And I have like a million pictures of me doing this in my like, you know, little league football cheerleading uniform. And I at the time when I was 10 years old, still couldn't do the pose then, but whatever, we'll also probably get to that. So as soon as you told me to get into that, I was like, uh, fuck, this is it. Like I, I can't, I know I'm not, I can't do this. I mean, I can get in it, but I can't sit up straight. Like yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. a it's a struggle. So, so we found something. Yeah. Um, so this whole time we're looking for a rationale for your tightness symptoms, mm -hmm. right? Because inherently your hip flexors are tight because they have to be to hold you upright. It's not just tight for no reason. That's right. a waste of energy. We're built to be very conservative. So if you have tight hip flexors, you have them for a reason. So we're looking to see what you're missing. And in doing that, what we essentially did was rotate your hips in a position where your core 
and your torso has to have to be engaged and upright. Right. And that was hard to do. So yeah. we found, ah, okay, she's engaging her hip flexors, possibly because her rotational control of her hips are not what they need to be. Yeah. So then we started playing with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, I think you did just like putting me in some different positions. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this feel like? How does this feel? Is there tightness? Is there pressure? Um, went through, yeah, some different things there. And then we had, you had me work on like engaging my glute and, and tightening, I guess, pushing yeah. forward. How would you describe that? You're so much better at this than I am. <laughs> so um, in that side sitting position, one of the things you were having a hard time with was producing extension or making the knee go behind the hip. Yeah extending the hip using the outside hip muscles right okay and uh it's sort of hard to imagine without seeing it i know we'll have we'll have some visuals for people yeah so the muscle on the outside back part of the hip um if you imagine um the stuff that someone might make you engage in like a clamshell exercise oh yeah like those types of muscles so i had her engaging those to try to extend that hip tight hip flexor and in doing so, the goal is to say, let's engage something that's not doing its job mm-hmm. so that we can loosen something that might be compensating for that weakness. Right, right. And that was difficult for me to do. I mean, I, I, mean, I was just sitting on the table, you know, engaging one muscle and I was breaking a sweat because it was taking <laughs> like all of my focus and like mental energy and determination to like move this one muscle but but that's it that's yeah. what we want you to do rewire right. how your brain is communicating with your body yeah and it, it it took a while for me to even be able to first like find the muscle to activate myself like I had to like play around and then once you like kind of like lock it in you're like okay I can get it but it, then even if I like went back to that side again it took a little bit of time to get it you know it's because like obviously I'm not used to engaging that muscle right which yeah. is why my hip flexors are tight. Um, so from there we did, you did some like soft tissue work, right? We did. Yeah. I just showed off a little bit, some of the hand stuff because yeah, yeah. honestly hands, we could have right? just been active. You're a really stable individual. We just have some little compensations that we need to work on to yeah. make you not feel like you're having too much tension in certain areas. Right. But overall, right. I mean, you're strong. Yeah. So right. yeah. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> but, the whole purpose of this episode was just so that we could get Eric on here to talk about how strong. Yeah. <laughs> talk about how great Chris is. Yeah. She <laughs> no, walks we, the walk. She doesn't just sit on a mic all the time. We, we literally <laughs> walked out of the session. I looked at Ryan and I was like, did you hear what he said? <laughs> Can you repeat back to me what he said? <laughs> he said you're strong, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that we and then you you went through you did an adjustment, but like that was took, you know. 30 seconds of the 30 minutes that you were with me. So it's yeah. truly not just about coming in and kind of like getting your back cracked. Although that was obviously a nice little added bonus, but I didn't really have a lot of uh, cracks to crack, right? No, what, you didn't. How, what's the official term there? <laughs> so, um, so what back cracking or adjusting is by yeah. a chiropractor? Um, there's different ways chiropractors will explain this, but from my more rehab and movement-based perspective, a joint that needs to be cracked is one that's stuck. It's not moving. Mm -hmm. And joints are moving, or when you're able to control joints, it's because you can control the muscles around them. So if you take your arm and stick it out, and then you bend your elbow, squeezing your bicep, Mm -hmm. right? Your elbow joint is moving and bending because your bicep is contracting. Yep. 
So if you cannot move spinal joints, it's usually because you have poor control of the muscles around those joints in the spine. So if I went to your back and I went to adjust it and it just exploded, it was like crack, 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 crack. Yeah. Then that would give me some evidence to say, okay, she does not control this region of her spine very well. Mm -hmm. And then that would be a place we could really focus and hone in on engaging and controlling because that would affect everything in your body. Right. But since you didn't really have that, spinal movement for you is something you control fairly well. Mm -hmm. Most of your issue seems to be down into those hips. You do some funky things. I know. Yeah. Funky things. So (laughs) I hear people a lot, right? They're like, oh, I need to crack my back. I need Mm -hmm. to like get my back adjusted. Like what's really going on there for them without obviously being able to take a look Mm -hmm. and there could be a lot of things, but it's just something I hear a lot of people say. Yeah. So, um, I guess where you have to go with this is to the brain first. Mm -hmm. So why do they even perceive that that's a problem, right? Right. I I think for a lot of people too, it's like that this like great feeling of relief for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a feeling of relief because it's before that a feeling of tension. Oh, okay. Got it. So um, you have this great detection system, which is pain and tension, right? Mm -hmm. And in your joints, in the joint capsule, in your skin, you have all these little different mechanoreceptors that give your brain feedback all the time. This mm-hmm. is what's happening. You know, I feel pressure on my skin. I feel a brush. Um, this joint's moving. This joint's not moving. Mm-hmm. So your brain is kind of like this big control center and everything's sending information to it. So when somebody feels like their back is really stiff, they're getting that signal from those joints, from those receptors saying, okay, there's something going on here. There's some stimulus that's being interpreted by your brain as stiffness. Mm-hmm. And usually why it is, is from a lack of control. So again, those muscles not controlling the spinal joints, the joints can't move, they get locked over time. Right. And then you're like, oh, I just want to bend backwards over a chair or I need my foam roller now. Right, right, right. So you get this impulse to do that. But by doing that, does it really fix the problem, right? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it just mobilizes it and then you go back to not being able to control those joints. Yeah. The whole process starts all over again. They get stuck, you get the signal to your brain. Let's mobilize it again and over and over and over again. Right. So you would try to f- kind of figure out what's going on at a deeper level and then solve it from there. Yeah. There's kind of two answers. So yeah. the one is, here's the get you through your day fix. Mm-hmm. So that's what a foam roller can do for you. That's yeah. what adjusting can do for you. It's like, okay, you're dying right now. This really hurts. Yeah. Let's get you through the day. And then there's the, okay, we need to fix this problem because this kind of thing leads to future problems like faster joint degeneration, disc yeah. problems, other things that can... Um, and you lead you to an orthopedist's office, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. which then, is a really great segue into Ryan here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think that <laughs> so Ryan... I have more work to do. Ryan had... Movement. Right, right. Which is funny because in all areas, Ryan is always like walking into a situation being like, I'm fine. I'm probably perfect. You know, like, <laughs> nothing's wrong with me. I'm really strong. And I think this was probably a humbling experience for yeah. him to come in and have you be like, all right, we got some work to do with you. So I think yeah. that because of the complexity, you should just like walk through, like start with him. Like you see him standing there with his thought Instagram ass out <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. So your back was a complaint. Did you have a shoulder one too? Yes. Well, I tore my pectoral tendon. And um, so that 
lowered my mobility even even more but i've always had tight shoulders i think just from lifting and playing sports all the time and, and not engaging your core properly. that was part of the yeah. history that day you didn't even bring that up to me until we started talking about your shoulders I yeah think. right yeah. right because i i had always had tight shoulders even before the torn pectoral oh, this is the other thing that we can talk about when you start to identify with your yeah. pain and your tightness but we'll get to that yeah <laughs> i have a note i have notes don't worry <laughs> so um yeah so ryan just um he mentioned that he had back tension and then just in doing the same type of approach, just first watching him stand and seeing how he uprights his body in a standing position with shoes off, he had an accentuation of the arch in the low back. And his belt buckle, if you imagine your belt around your waist is supposed to be parallel to the floor and parallel to your rib cage, it dips forward. So It's like when you, girls yeah. are sticking their ass out on Instagram. <laughs> you, you know the image He's well. an Instagram model. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case... When this posture presentation is, is there, typically there's more tension along the back and then less of an engagement along the front. So the first mm -hmm. thing we were doing, like, oh, let's look at your plank. And then lo and behold, it was a little harder, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. challenging to find that tucked position, trying to get that belt, belt buckle back to a neutral position. Mm -hmm. So we found this and then we also did um, a wall angel test and we did it sitting. So I had him sit against the wall, his butt all the way back to the wall and then try to flatten his entire back and head to the wall. And then if you imagine, he lifted his arms to 90 degrees, trying to flatten the back of his hands to the wall. Like and cactus was, arms. Yeah, like yeah goal post exactly. goal post. Like you're making a goal yeah. post. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, completely flat against the wall. And where we found here was his shoulder was restricted from being able to do this motion, and he had a lot, a lot of tightness in the front of the chest. So you can go on and... Let's tell, tell us a little bit about that right shoulder pec tear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tore my pectoral tendon over the summer just playing rugby. I went for a tackle. I was in bad position and uh, just completely tore my pectoral tendon off the humerus and had it reattached. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like mostly better now. I can lift heavy and everything, but uh, I definitely have less mobility with it. So um, this is a really good place to say Injuries that happen to people end up with giving them problems throughout their future. So like it may be something in like high school or when you were really little, like, oh, I fell off my bike and broke my wrist. Right. Um, or it could be something like this. And then it's like that shoulder just never quite gets rehabbed all the way back. You never gain the full function back and then you have this limitation. But there's another way to think about this too. If you had gotten in that same traumatic situation without that shoulder pec tension mobility problem, would you have been able to have more resilience to actually having that tear? Right. Maybe the tear would have happened, but it wouldn't have been something that you had to get it reattached or it could have been something you could have just conservatively rehabbed. We don't know. Yeah, but right. <laughs> it's just interesting to think about these things because um, we see stuff like that all the time. But in any case, we did some things with his shoulders to work on some of the mobility. Um, we did some soft tissue work through the front of it to see if we could just get some quick reflexive change. Meaning when I do soft tissue work on a shoulder or any group of muscles, we're looking to see if we can change it fast. Yeah. Just get him to have a little mobility. And, and soft tissue is like a massage or like the gun. That's, yeah. That's the yeah. Theragun? Yeah. There's two yeah. different ways to do it. So yeah. I have a Theragun, which is like, um, it's basically like a drill with a massage piece at the end. So it's like, yeah. like I can make it's that sound. <laughs> <laughs> like right into your muscle. Um, so we use that, we do some soft tissue work with my hands and everything, and then try to train it right away. 
And um, doing this, we didn't see a huge change in the room right away, but there's mm -hmm. also probably scar tissue from the surgery, things yeah. like that. But that's why I said you're going to be work because this is something you're going to have to work on right. over time repetitively. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah but it, it did immediately feel better. It, although you couldn't really tell that I was getting my hands back more, it felt better right away. And now that I've been doing these exercises for a week or two, I can get back a little bit further. So it's helping, but it's, it's still going to take more time, obviously. Yeah. And so yeah. Ryan and I both walked away with kind of, you know, exercises from you that we could do on our own to help strengthen our weaknesses, which would result in kind of, you know, le lessening of the tightness. And so as part of your approach with clients, will you give them, you know, kind of do a full service of like, this is what you should be working on. Like, this is your program, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because, um, what it comes down to is when people walk in, they tend to not have a great broad movement practice. You're they right. tend to narrow it in some way. So mm -hmm. they like to do certain things like I'm a runner. Yeah. Or I identify with, you know, I just do CrossFit. That's yeah. where I get most of my movement or I do group fitness, whatever it might be. But um, they do that. Typically, you may sit at a desk or have some job where they don't have yeah. a diverse range of movements. And then they end up with little deficiencies or mm -hmm. restrictions that pop up because, you know, how often are you extending your shoulder way behind you if you're sitting at a desk? Yeah. Probably not yeah. much, exactly. right? Yeah. And very few exercises make you do that or focus on rotation. So a lot of times when people come in, these are like things that they need to supplement to mm -hmm. start to come back to a place where they have a balanced approach to movement. Right. And I'll add, like, you don't have to have, you know, I didn't have an injury and Ryan really didn't have an injury, you know, coming into you. Like we had some pain, maybe some discomfort, but it's like, you don't, I wouldn't think to get benefit out of what you're doing that you have to be like, oh, this thing has been, you know, ailing me forever. I think you have just like a holistic approach to fitness in general, you know, that if like yeah. you want to take a look at your body and like make sure that you're moving well and engaging the right muscles when you're doing all this, like you're putting in all this work in the gym and, and fitness classes and your sport, whatever it is. It's like, if you want to maximize that input, you do a really good job of like being able to identify maybe the weaknesses that you can't see on your own. Yeah. I, um, I actually skipped this. I didn't have you fill out my initial intake form oh, as a new client. I, I just had you sign form. all my waivers yeah. and everything. <laughs> um, but one thing that I do with everybody is goal orientation because... Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a good idea. You, I mean, if you come in, let's say you have pain. That's what's going to bring you in ultimately, right? right? You're like, this hurts. Most people are that way. Yeah. You come in and you're like, I have pain. Your pain doesn't mean anything to you outside of the context which you care about it, right? right. Outside of your life. So let's say if you come in, you're like... I'm in pain. It's like, okay, what are you in pain that is affecting your life that you can't do? Like, right. I can't turn my head to the right. Right. Yeah. I can't lift weights. I yeah. Want to be able to lift. I can't get into this position. Yeah. yeah. I can't run more than two miles and I'm trying to run the flying pig. Right. That's a big one. Um, I can't sit at my desk for the full day because my back starts to hurt around two o'clock. Oh yeah. So, I mean, you start to dig a little bit and you start to see what people's real goals are. So yeah. your goal isn't getting out of pain. Your goal is to be able to perform this task comfortably that makes or sense. excel at it. So it becomes a performance-based thing. Everybody mm -hmm. um, comes in with pain, but they end up becoming a function-based case. And it's really nice to approach it that way because you reframe them saying pain is a part of being human. You're right. going to experience some pain. Yeah. But if we can make you better at what you want to be good at, then we're really winning because your pain will ultimately get better if your function improves yeah. and then you're going to be happy because you can do what you want to do. Yeah. I think this is a good time too to bring up just like the biology behind 
being tight? Like, why do we get tight? Like, what is that sensation? What are our muscles doing? Like the way that we experience this discomfort, like really what's going on in our body? Yeah. So in a perfect world, you would stand there and you'd have perfect symmetrical balance of everything. All your muscles would work in harmony. Yeah. Your joints would be perfectly centered right in the middle of their socket or with the joint next to them and you'd be good to go. Right. Everything would feel great. Sounds amazing. It's not reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so really the reason why humans have a hard time with this is because we're bipedal or we stand on two legs. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of talked about this before. Right. But most animals have four points of contact with the ground, so they can distribute force through four points. Mm -hmm. If we take away two and stand you upright, you have a lot more work to do because you're taller. Yeah. And then also you'll have you have less points to contact the ground. Right. So sense. we have a lot more to do. Mm -hmm. If you have a dog and you wiggle their spine around, you'll see it's super mobile. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true with humans, right? right? We need to be able to control our spine even if it moves. So what ends up happening a lot of times is that either through the development as an infant, we don't develop the ability to stabilize well enough, or we get some injury or some trauma, or we develop some chronic weakness over time right. that ends up making us have to cheat with some muscles more than others. Mm -hmm. and and I think it's important to note too, which you did a really nice job of being like, everyone has something. Because sometimes it, yeah. you know, I, I have felt this shame around my tight hips, right? Like, oh, I'm this fit person. Like I should be able to do, I should be able to get into a yogi squat. I should be able to like my lizard lunge to look a certain way or like the depth of my squat. You know what I mean? And you make a, the test and the great approach of like, no one stands there with their joints perfectly aligned and like using every muscle the way they should be. So that can kind of take off the pressure and like the expectation that like, oh, what have I been doing wrong my whole life that I like have these fucked up hips? Like he's going to think <laughs> I'm an idiot, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. anyways, continue those. Yeah. I mean, not everyone, you hear people talk about it too, but you kind of get in your own head like, oh, this is me. And like everyone else is doing the class great right. and I'm the one in pain, but right. really yeah. everyone's kind of thinking something's going on. Exactly. Everyone yeah. has their thing. Um, where were we? Talking well, I wanted to say something. So yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily weakness because I, I feel like it was like less of an activation thing in in my circumstance, just because I feel like I have strong abs. I do workouts at the gym where <laughs> okay, I have we strong have, okay, abs. We have to come back yeah. around but, to say that Ryan is strong too. <laughs> but I don't think I activate them properly, like in my daily life. Mm. And yeah. I think that's kind of what you taught me to do to kind of focus on. And then I also saw like a similarity to yoga. So when I'm in yoga and they're telling you to like zip up your lower abs, I feel like I have a higher focus on doing that. And I feel mo more mobile that way. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, you aren't weak. Right, you have Thanks. a six pack. <laughs> I think I heard that in the last podcast. You yeah. hear that, Chris? Yeah, I'm strong pack, too. Right? Oh, God. But there's this guy. His name's Stuart McGill, and he's one of the world's leading researchers on human spine biomechanics. And he says, if you have a six pack, or show me a six pack, and I'll show you a dysfunctional back. Oh, yep. <laughs> because that's not necessarily a good stabilization strategy. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the core, this is a really good intro. Um, we're not talking about muscle definition and engagement. We're talking about the coordinated event of creating stability. Okay. So to elaborate, it doesn't matter how strong your core is. It matters how well you're able to create engagement and pressure in your abdomen. Mm -hmm. So you may have super strong core muscles, but if I put you in a position where you have to create pressure in your abdomen, it's more challenging 
than maybe it was for Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is super important because if you look at a human being, you have basically five things attached to your trunk. You have a neck, mm-hmm. two shoulders, mm-hmm. and two hips, right? Yep, yep, got all, all of things. them are super mobile. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, move your neck around, right? Super <laughs> mobile. Reach your arm over your head and behind you, yep. and then move your hip, right? All super mobile. So if you have five things all attached to this trunk, they're super mobile. Your trunk has to be a professional at creating stiffness and preventing movement around your spine so you have a foundation to move everything off of. Yeah. So really, what I'm looking for with core stability is can someone produce pressure in their abdomen? Can they inhale using their diaphragm, pressing pressure into that abdomen, and then resist it with their core at the same time? Mm -hmm. So it's more of an event of coordinated stability than it is how strong any single group of muscles are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Totally Bef- different than just going to the gym and doing leg raises or sit-ups yeah. or anything yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So before Ryan had to make the point that he was strong, we were talking about <laughs> the tension where the tent, like where what's going on in the muscle mm-hmm. that, that where's that tightness feeling come from, you know, what's happening in the body. Oh yeah. So we're getting there. So, yeah. um, usually, so going with this core stability thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm really good at creating pressure in my abdomen, mm-hmm then uh, my hips, my shoulders, and my neck have a foundation to move from, okay? Yep. Um, imagine if you had a cannon on dry land, mm-hmm. right? Or like you ever a shoot a gun before? Um, I have not. You have not? <laughs> I have, have. Shot? yeah. Okay, <laughs> if you've ever shot a gun, when you brace to shoot a gun, you have to hold it pretty tight. You have to give it a foundation because it's going to kick back, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I've seen movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in order to have the mobility of the bullet flying out of the gun, you have to have a foundation that's stiff. And that's how our joints work too. So if you have hip tightness, Mm -hmm. likely what your hip is attached to is not stable enough to allow it to have full range of motion. Mm -hmm. So your hip is attached to something that's not engaging enough. It's kind of like holding a gun with a loose shoulder Mm -hmm. with loose hands. It's kind of scary to fire it because it's going to do all kinds of wonky things. So what your brain says, it says, okay, this hip is attached to something that's not producing enough stiffness for me. Oh. So I'm just gonna tighten a few of these little muscles around the hip, no big deal. Right, Yeah. And 30 then, years later, <laughs> here we are. Then what you perceive, yeah. you perceive tension. You're like, oh, my hip's really tight, but that tightness is actually keeping it safe. So oh, it's kind of like this backwards engineering thing. If you wanna get rid of tension, you can either try to like hammer the crap out of it with a foam roller or stretching, or you can look deeper and say, okay, why is this muscle why tight? Why is it getting tight in the first place? Where am I missing the boat that this muscle has to be tight? Why is my brain doing this? Yeah, thing? because I can, you know, sit in a lizard lunge for three minutes, go into a pigeon for four minutes, do a yoga class. And yeah, for sure, I am noticeably looser, noticeably more mobile. But then I wake up the next day and it's, I'm back. I'm, I start over again. Yeah. You know, I'm back to where I was before the yoga class, before the four-minute pigeon. And essentially what you did with all that stretching was the pull sensation on the muscle sent a message to your brain saying, hey, there's it's something safe, happening right? here. Or yeah. like, this is okay. You're not going to, I don't know what you would do. Break <laughs> your Dislocate back. a hip. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, whatever, you know, like yeah. basically, because when you're like in yoga and they're like, mm-hmm. breathe through the tension, like literally think about the muscle softening like but think about what you said breathe through the tension yeah intra-abdominal pressure yeah breathing with your diaphragm right yeah so it it all comes back to that same principle of if you have pressure and you can create coordinated stiffness in your trunk then everything attached will be looser yeah so you're interesting because you have pretty good control with your core but you've developed this hip tightness over time 
and that rotational control needs some work. Yeah. Well, I think is pro- I think yeah, which is with like my glute engagement and because mm-hmm. my hip, those hip, you pointed it out to me, which I'd never really noticed. Like my hip flexors are like super thick, like yeah. really, really tight, <laughs> which I, you know, it's, I don't think all, yeah, all the stretching yeah. and foam rolling in the world. I, I mean, I've been trying to do it and granted we talked about this too. It's mm-hmm. like, I've been doing this for, we've been doing Ramwad for a couple years mm-hmm. now, yeah. but like this like year of yoga, we're only two months in. So we've heard from other people, other podcast guests, like it took two years to fix Sarah Jenkins squat. You know, it's like, yeah, obviously these yeah. things don't happen overnight. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, that's a reasonable time frame. It yeah. takes time because <laughs> even once you start to like fix the right things, yeah, you've developed so much of this baggage that you carry with tightness. Like think of how tight that tendon is. It's yeah. even thickened, right? Yeah. It's adapted over time. Ugh. But um, that's just the way the way things tend to go. Yeah. That is somewhat of a, a, a next point to make about when we, you talked about, you see a lot of clients come in and they've already like put themselves in this mental box and they've already like yep. started to like their identity is wrapped in with me, like my tight hips. Like I am my tight hips. I've had type, I've had tight hips forever. Like they're never going to get better. You know, you just like create this story in your mind that plays over and over again which I also have to imagine we haven't even talked about this yet but I've heard before you know like the body hears everything the mind says and so it's like if you're constantly repeating over and over I have tight hips I have tight hips my shoulders are inflexible like I don't have this mobility then like you're definitely not going to make any progress on it but I want to talk to you about what's your your experience been with people that kind of start to construct that mental box for themselves yeah, so there's a lot of language around it. And this is something I feel like I've been working on a lot over the past year because treating people is not just like, oh, okay, I see how you move. Here's the best exercise for you. Yeah. You know, let's move on or let's continue therapy, whatever. Right. It's more about the language too. It's setting expectations, mm-hmm. and learning their expectations and kind of meeting them where they are. So um, most people um, don't necessarily come in with acute pain. Mm -hmm. meaning that their pain isn't new. Their pain is typically chronic. It's older. Yeah. And what that means is that they've had it for a while and they've started to develop some behaviors and beliefs around it. Mm. So like your hip flexors, that wasn't anything new. Right, right? no. You've had it for a long time. So a lot of what people start to do is self-identify as that's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be perpetuated by their environment. So people around them telling them stuff, stuff they read on Google, going to another doctor. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of times... If you go and you see um, a medical doctor, their toolbox is just different than people like me who have a physical medicine background. Right. So um, they're like, okay, what do I have? I have drugs. I have surgery. Yeah. I can refer them to PT and I can image them. And right. That's send basically them for the MRI, package, send them right? for an X-ray. Yeah. yeah. So um, if they don't image them on the first visit, let's say you come in, it's like, oh, I have hip pain. Um, they might send them to PT. Well, let's just say with PT they didn't quite get there or yeah. the PT wasn't good enough, whatever it was. Right. right? Or they do they, it for, they're prescribed three months, yeah. which we just talked the patient about is not enough. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. There's yeah. so many different ways it can right. go, but let's just say it's not successful. Yep. Um, they come back, then the orthopedist is like, okay, I can cross that off, but what do I have left? Let's just take the deeper look. And then you get an MRI or an X-ray or both. And then you see this structural correlation. So, oh, you have this osteoarthritic development in your hip, uh, you have this labral tear. Um, These things are probably the reason why you have pain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are. um, But a lot of times 
what we see now in the literature is that those structural issues you see on imaging don't correlate with real life symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be little flare ups or inflammatory things that happen, but they go away. It's not the chronic pain that people are having. Mm-hmm. So um, people start to identify with that. It's like my hip has arthritis, so I can't get rid of that arthritis. So this is permanently me mm-hmm. and this is who I am. And so when people come into the chiropractor, they typically have this baggage. Yeah. And it's really just unpacking the language around it, just showing Reframing them. the problem type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You really just try to be careful with your words. Um, don't say things that reinforce that they have like a structural problem that yeah. comes with them. Yeah. But then also putting them in safe positions they feel like they can succeed in mm-hmm. because that mental confidence and win yeah. is just as important as anything else. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. We, we talked a lot too about as you're, you know, giving people exercises, giving people therapy to kind of walk away from, I gave the example of just putting myself in that really difficult cheerleader position, right? You're yeah. like, just sit in it sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, get, get used to that movement. And obviously it's a position that I avoid because it's uncomfortable for me. I'm not good at it. And so I was, you know, finishing up my, my yoga for the day and I was like getting into that position and I started to like work the exercises you gave me like bringing my hip engaging my glute bringing my hip forward and I was like oh man you know if I do three sets of 10 on each side that's that's a long time like that's a that's a lot of time I gotta (laughs) take to do this I don't know if I want to do that and you were bringing up the point of like the therapy isn't shouldn't be you know separate or different than your work the workout itself you know that it's like when we're looking at this, it's you use, I think, the term like a whole food approach or like supplementing certain things. So I would love for you to like talk about that and kind of dig into to that stuff a little bit. Yeah. And this is a good place for Ryan to talk too, because that's a lot of what he does with rugby. But essentially, movement is in the same space that nutrition was in. Mm-hmm. So we got all this nutritional information and started to figure out like what vitamins were and, you know, oh, this vitamin has a function in this, you need your vitamin D, you know, zinc, magnesium deficiency is a big one. So we started to take whole food and have this, have this reductionist approach to parcel out pieces of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, okay, we can do it better than nature. Like let's figure out what our recommended daily values are. And this is exactly what you need. And long story short, that didn't really work very well. Right. We do the same exact thing with movement. We take people out of playful situations where they can use all of their joint movement, yep. all of their you know, mental capacity to sort of see how they want to move and things like that. And then we take it and we put it in this very uh, systematic box, right. like a gym. You get right? an hour a yeah. day. Yeah, you yeah. have this equipment. <laughs> you know, The bench press is built, so you lie on your back and you do this. The yep. squat is built, so you do this, right? Yep. Like who developed the barbell? Yeah. Right? Why do we have right. to have a 45 pound barbell and it's this shape and it's yeah. this is the when, way when in your life are you ever really yeah. using that motion? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, stuff like this it should be a sport and like a separate event. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that is like our whole training for, for what we do for movement because that's like saying, okay, I'm only going to eat these certain things and mm-hmm. I'm going to take these little supplements, but I'm not going to get whole movement. Mm-hmm. So, what I really mean by whole movement is like play. So like Ryan plays rugby, like you can say, talk about rugby. I mean, like there's reactionary skill. You have to see into the future. You Mm -hmm. have to 
understand where other people are in the field and like right. where the ball movement's going. Right, right. And just constantly changing position. And I mean, like even just like getting up off the ground, even in like a game of sevens, it's seven on seven. So when you're tackled, just getting up off the ground quicker and more efficiently can, you know, put you in a good position to make a tackle. And there's just so many different movements you're doing. But people just don't tend to practice those. They, they go to the gym and do bench press and do squats to strengthen, but they don't practice those type of movements usually. Yeah, yeah. we talked about this. I have this <clears throat> thought for myself a lot. It's like, yeah, I'm doing all of this activity that's pretty much segmented into like a one hour block of time. And I think I do a pretty good job of varying that approach. You know, I, I do a lot of different stuff, but it's still like one hour of mm-hmm. my day where I'm doing this. And then the rest of the time, yeah, I'm, I'm walking around. I'm, you know, maybe like skipping outside when it's 60 degrees in February, but for the most part, like I'm not, you know, I'm not playing. I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm walking, I'm going to my workout classes. And so I think to myself, like sometimes if I really like get in my own head, I'm like, what the fuck is the, why am I, what's the point? You know, like, why am I sitting at cycle bar and putting this five pound bar over my head 25 times? Like what, what am I doing? Yeah. And to be fair, there's nothing bad about it. No. Right. It's just not a complete movement practice. So I really see two good ways around this. One is just incorporate some type of play. So whether it's like it doesn't have to be rugby. You don't have to go out there and <laughs> yeah. get hit by grown men. <laughs> yeah. um, but it could be something like, you know, going to a rock climbing gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something we talked like about that. that. It's really We're, good. We want to go to yeah. climb time with him yeah. and Jordan. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it could be something where... Um, Some spike you, ball, maybe? Yeah, spike <laughs> ball, yeah. Um, <laughs> you should have seen both of their faces just <laughs> <laughs> lit up with the mention of spike ball. <laughs> we just need two more people, Chrissy yep. and Jordan. Oh, God. <laughs> Jordan, help. <laughs> Is there champagne? (laughs) There can be. There can be. Um, And then one of my forms of play, um, I like sand volleyball, but also dance fix is uh, one that I do. Mm -hmm. So I go and I do this choreographed dance thing and they change choreography all the time. The key to play being different. Oh, I just thought of what I do. I fucking go out on a Saturday night and I dance. Yeah, there you go. I truly, truly, truly love to go out and dance. Okay, that is my play. I feel better about myself. But we're not just talking about like... Bump and grind, it's working, right? No, I, ta- I know. I fully get down. Catch me in OTR. Come, <laughs> come dance with me. But um, yeah, the shot. difference between play and then like working out is that there's this mental connection, right? You have to anticipate timing. Um, you have to sequence things and you have to be reactionary. So those are things that we don't really get in a structured movement space. Right. Um, even if you think of stuff like CrossFit, like there's sequencing but it's very regimented. You mm-hmm. know what's coming next. It's yeah. all, all predetermined. It's mm-hmm. not like, okay, Ryan, this guy is going to cut one way or the other. You have to cut when he does. Yeah. Right. You, know, you have yeah. to juke him or right. you have to be able to pass left or right mm-hmm. on the spot with a decision. Yeah. So um, I think that type of approach is really important, especially because what does everyone do when they work out? It's like music and headphones. Yeah. Yeah. We block all of our audio mm-hmm. connection. Yep. And we take away some of our sensory connection to that Mm -hmm. movement. So Mm -hmm. it's important to have that. We just recently, which I think this is another good approach, you know, if you don't want to go out and dance, if you don't want to go out and play spike ball, um, because even in like a yoga class, again, it's, it's Mm -hmm. routine, it's regimented. Recently I had like all day work meetings, you know, I'm like in a conference room, like 7am to 530, got to go to a work dinner after. And so it's just sitting, right. And it's so uncomfortable. And what we did instead of like doing a ROM water, doing, going to a yoga class, 
we just got on our living room floor and just like moved organically, like stretched, like yeah. held the position for however long we wanted to hold without being told the amount. Like we just moved like how it felt good to move for, for like an hour on mm -hmm. our own. And it was magical. Like I almost wanted it to like be a favorite workout <laughs> of the week, but it was great. Yeah. Like it felt so good just to just like not have, not being told what to do, like not have an agenda, just like, what does your body feel like doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, intuitively, you know. I mean, it's like one of those things where you go to eat a salad and you're just like, I need a salad right now. Yeah, And you eat totally. a salad and you're like, oh, I feel I feel good. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's just one of those things where you just kind of know what you need. Um, yeah. I mean, not everyone can get out and play. Right. But um, I think another good approach is just to mix different movement practices. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine drawing a Venn diagram, let's say like you're – a power lifter or you like to do barbell sports mm -hmm. right you're gonna acquire a set of movement skills from that and you can fill in barbell sports with anything right, right? yeah you like to go to a bar class you exactly. like to go to cycle bar whatever bar, yoga yeah. you name it um you'll acquire a set of movement skills from performing that practice yeah but it doesn't incorporate the set of all skills that you'll need to do everything you want to do in life and yeah. be good at it so identifying and orienting towards things that you want to be good at in life mm -hmm. and have longevity right. and then having movement practices that complement that. So maybe you do something with like a barbell. Maybe you have like some kind of movement practice like dance or reactionary yeah. skill like a sport. And then maybe you have something that's like slower controlled body positioning like bar yoga, Pilates. Name right. It. Right. right. I mean, that doesn't have to be the answer. Yeah. But there's ways you can take structured movement practices and combine it for a more holistic approach. Yeah, yeah. I know I need to I need to get some more sports action in my <laughs> life, I think. Yeah, competition's important for I'm, human beings. It's mental health. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. I'm open. I'm open. You're I opening don't just want to argue with your significant other all the time. <laughs> you're <laughs> opening you're opening my mind. You're opening my mind yeah. to it. Um so Eric, we did get some questions yeah. that we can run through. So one of the questions we got was from someone that said they have sharp shooting lower back pain but they can still work out, what gives? How would you approach that? Yeah, so that would be a piece of history. Mm -hmm. That would be get some other questioning. So yeah. somebody that has sharp shooting lower back pain but can still work out, um, what is working out? What does that mean? Is that I can still deadlift or I can still run or I can still perform my yoga practice? Mm -hmm. um, because all of those have very different demands and put your body in different positions. Mm -hmm. So that would give me some insight as to, okay, what body positions seem to be uh, perpetuating this problem and which body positions are okay? Um, and then what is the characteristic of it? Yeah. Is it there all the time? Is it something that's there at a certain time of day or around certain activities? Mm -hmm. um, does it, What does this person do for work? Yeah. There's so many things that encompass it. As a general answer, usually it's something where there's tension in an area. Mm-hmm created over time or through right. an activity this is the theme that, of the day yeah yeah, yeah yeah that the person's perceiving as pain mm -hmm. so there's some um awareness somatic awareness body brain connection that is being perpetuated to say hey there's a problem there's a problem there's a problem mm -hmm. um and it's just not being addressed right but it's not enough to say okay it's crippling your movement. right you're you still, still able to move yeah. but just like your hip flexors yeah right? you yeah, can yeah, do yeah. everything you want to do it's just yes. like what is this crap yeah it's annoying yeah. right um okay cool so person that asked that question, go see Eric and then he'll really figure <laughs> it out. Um, 
our second question was, what besides movement exercise can we do for our bodies that is anti-aging? Yeah. Um, Botox. So the real answer <laughs> is you get older based on these things attached to your DNA called telomeres. Oh, yeah. I know about you telomeres. You know about telomeres? Yeah. I listen okay. to a lot of Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm not yep. an expert on this. I, <laughs> I dabbled in the DNA aging. world uh, with telomere, research for a Yeah. Aging is like all to do with telomeres and your telomeres were like shortened. Yeah, right? so there are these segments on DNA, and when the DNA replicates, um, if you don't know what DNA is, it's the thing Go in your body Go back to 10th that... grade biology. 10th <laughs> grade biology. It's the thing in your body and your cells that holds the information basically as to who you are. And then every time these cells replicate, the DNA gets a little shorter. These telomeres, the end of the DNA, just get chopped a little shorter, yeah. and that's a big piece of the aging process. So yeah. a lot of aging research is about preventing that shortening mm -hmm. or the enzyme telomerase from making them shorter. Yep. So um, I would recommend not letting your telomeres shorten. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure <laughs> when you figure that out, let us know. Um, but other non-movement ways. <laughs> oh, I think there's like this thing about you can like put young people's blood in you or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. have you heard about that? Sounds like some voodoo practice. No, they're like all the <laughs> yeah, Silicon they've done Valley studies in mice. Wow, yeah. Heads are, are going out and um, yeah, just putting young people's blood through their blood. And then they're like, you know. Well, this is kind of gross. In the studies, they fused an old mouse to a young mouse so their blood could basically be interchanged between the bodies. And the young mouse got older and the old mouse got younger, like, biologically. Oh, that's wow. some fucked that's, up yeah. shit. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, there's a Joe Rogan podcast with David Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair, yeah. Yeah, That Sinclair. came out recently. Talk about that. <laughs> so. That's super interesting. I wonder what they used as a marker to measure, like what younger meant. Yeah, they, they go through all of it. In yeah, podcast, yeah. It's super to, interesting. Who depth. is the guy, though, out in Cal... It's not, it's not Elon Musk, but he um, is... Peter Thiel? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's been, like, known to be dabbling in this Yeah, research. I think he's a vampire. So yeah. That's super cool. Going for the blood. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. one day people are going to live to, like, 200. I know. Chiropractors are going to be, like, the most sought-after profession because everyone's going to have joint pain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gravity <laughs> itself is just going to have weight on us for so long. Yeah. Great uh, foresight, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. We have uh, another question. Um, suggestions for tight neck shoulders from being a grad student all day. So I'm assuming it means they're sitting all day yeah. long, got tension going on. So my best two answers over a microphone would be, one is remember five things attached to your central core. Mm -hmm. So if something on the periphery, a shoulder and neck is tight, then you're probably missing the boat somewhere and how to stabilize your trunk with pressure. Um, that would be one thing. But also, even if you're good at it, if you assume body positions that are the same for a long period, uh, prolonged period of time, like right. sitting or standing, you tend to dump tension in the same place over and over. Yeah. So I could be great at stabilizing my torso, but if I sit for six hours, it doesn't matter. My neck and shoulders may be in that same position right. receiving tension. So it might be repetitive strain just from sitting that long. So sit in the back of your class, yeah. stand up, do some weird stretches. Have everyone look at you like you're a weirdo. Yeah, but, but you're the only feel one in that good. class that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer. Oh my gosh. Okay, awesome. Did you have any questions that, that you got when you put it out to your people that you want to cover? Yeah, so I had um, a former patient reach out and want to know how to loosen the thoracic spine before working out. What is the thoracic spine? The thoracic spine. So that is the middle back region. Okay. And this is that region where everyone always wants to bend over the back of a chair to crack it. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we kind of covered this a little bit. Yeah. But in order to not have joints locked, you have to have muscle control around it, mm -hmm. right? 
So trying to get little bits during the day is probably the best bet if you work out in the evening because a lot of people do. So thinking about, okay, I'm going to work out tonight. What little movement snacks can I do? Maybe like three movement or four snacks. times. <laughs> yeah. oh, I like that. <laughs> snacks, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, nutrition and movement are like, if you understand one or the other, you got, you it. got the other yeah. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. What three or four little two minute breaks can I do that will set me up for a killer workout? Because the last thing you want to do is walk in with this huge compensation pattern from mm-hmm. sitting in a crappy position all day and then try to load your body more. Right? Yeah. Oh, so that's the worst when yeah. you when I'm going into like group fitness classes and I there's pr- some particular studios that just don't do as good of a job as warming us up as others. So like when you like those first like six to seven minutes when you haven't gotten a proper warm up, you're like, this just feels terrible. Yeah. That's not good. It sucks. Yeah. 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 Anyways, and I used sorry. to be a evening workout person too. And yeah. I was just so amped to get it done. Like yeah. I wanted to go in, I wanted to do it. And then I'm like, oh my God, I got to spend like 20 minutes, like this warm up, mobilizing, figuring out how to I open know, my body. I know. That's what it feels like. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so yeah, really try to fit stuff in during the day and make like a little plan. It shouldn't take long, but it should be something where when you get to the gym, you're already ready to start diving into more specific warm-ups, not just trying to mobilize to make joints move. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, even though this is a special edition episode, we have to end with the question of what does being fit mean to you, Eric? Okay. Has it changed at all <laughs> since you last came on? It's definitely changed. It's oh, definitely wow. Changed. Great. So I uh, got really into listening to Rafe Kelly, I think his first name is pronounced Rafe, R-A-F-E. But this guy is a prolific thinker with movement. Mm. Um, But really, he sees it as being able to solve the set of problems Mm -hmm. that you want to orient towards. So fitness is individual in the fact that what you want to orient to as a problem is different than me. It's different than Ryan. Ryan needs to not get tackled or tackle harder. Right. Right. I want to not be in pain and practice forever and feel really good. Yep. And you want to do 5,000 group fitness classes a week. 5,000. That's it. But really, that's what it is. And then in order to do that, it's figuring out how to solve those problems through controlling different things. Right. 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 Yeah. That's awesome. That's wonderfully said. So we can find you at your form and function lab, correct? At Queen City Kettlebell. Yeah. Where can people follow you? Where can they get with you if they want to come see you and how does all that work? Yeah. So my practice is actually set up inside of Queen City Kettlebell. I have a private office and then we have shared gym space. Yep. So um, that's in Oakley. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to find me, you can find me at Dr. Eric Nabi, D-R-E-R-I-K-N-A-B-I on Instagram. You can find me at ffmovementlab.com. Ooh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I do online scheduling and shoot me an email, ffmovementlab at gmail.com if you want to talk more. Yeah. Awesome. If you guys want to chat with Ryan and I and, you know, pick our brain about how it went, we're happy to share more, but overall awesome experience. Eric does, as you can tell from this podcast does a really great job at communicating about what's going on in your body in a way that's easy to understand you know he's like obviously super smart shooting out telomeres and shit like that but (laughs) like you can follow along it's great but thanks so much for listening follow uh me at what the fit podcast don't follow me my instagram's boring i wasn't gonna (laughs) tell them to follow you but also you can follow just like me personally at chrissy grody okay thanks guys (laughs) 